How's your 2021 going so far? For Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler, the new year is off to an interesting start. I'm Andrew Thien, and this is Beat Check with the Oregonian. Up next, Portland City Hall reporter Shane Dixon Cavanaugh talks about what's going on with Mayor Wheeler. Obviously, Oregon, Portland, and the nation are coping with a lot right now. We talked about that, but also discussed Wheeler's policy priorities, the two high-profile public confrontations he experienced this January, why he hired former Mayor Sam Adams, and what all of his staff shakeups may mean for the city and his governing plans. We also talked about the newest members of the city council, plus why Commissioner Joanne Hardesty is still a powerful force. Here's our conversation. Shane Dixon-Cavanaugh, thanks for taking time to talk today. Andrew, it's always a pleasure joining you on your podcast. So Shane, being mayor of Portland is famously not a super fun job or one that endears you to the public, but Mayor Ted Wheeler has been confronted twice in public uh, just this month, and, and his 2021 is off to a rocky start. What's going on with the mayor right now? Well, he's fresh off of a narrow re-election victory, and for months, the mayor has been sort of dealing with a challenging political problem, which is folks on the left really don't like Ted Wheeler, and folks on the right don't like Ted Wheeler, and for different reasons. And lately, he's run into the situation where he has been getting sort of uh, publicly harassed or heckled or confronted or accosted or whatever word you want to use. But earlier this month, he was at a restaurant in Northwest Portland when a group of activists confronted him, uh, one of them with a video camera, or actually a couple of them, and were getting in his face and calling him out for policies of his that they disagree with. And at one point, one of the individuals there uh, ended up laying their hands uh, on the mayor. I wouldn't say that Wheeler was struck or hit by this person, mm -hmm. uh, but was sort of swatted. And it's not clear if it was intentional or not, but things got pretty heated there. And that was in Northwest earlier this month. And then uh, this last week on Sunday night, the mayor was in Southwest Portland at a McMinniman's pub in Hillsdale with mm -hmm. former mayor Sam Adams. And when they were leaving the pub on Sunday night, the mayor was once again confronted by an individual. This person was by themselves. They appeared to be filming the mayor as well. They were not wearing a mask, despite the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic and was haranguing Mayor Wheeler for uh, supposedly not wearing a mask while he was dining with former Mayor Adams, <laughs> while the two of them were sitting outside, eating outside in a tented area at the McMinniman's pub. So you have two different incidents, one involving alleged COVID-related complaints and the other more focused on the story from 2020 and, you know, many decades in America of, uh, you know, police brutality and uh, racial justice issues. Yeah, that's right. And in the, in the, in the second case, things really escalated because uh, according to the mayor and to Sam Adams, and there's also some audio of this and a police report, mm -hmm. the mayor was trying to get away from this individual who was talking to him 
And the person continued to follow him as he went to his car, was in close range within one or two feet of the mayor's face. The mayor asked him to uh, back off, told this individual that he had pepper spray and that Mm -hmm. if the individual didn't leave him alone, he was going to use it on him. And then he pepper sprayed this individual in the face. Do we have any sense of whether uh, the mayor was carrying pepper spray in Southwest Portland as a result of uh, this other altercation you wrote about? Well, um, I don't know how long the mayor has been carrying pepper spray around for, but he ha- he has been confronted a number of times in the recent past. And let us not forget that over the summer, during the height of the racial justice protests in Portland, uh, a large number of demonstrators marched to the condo building where the mayor lives, mm-hmm. uh, shattered windows on the first floor, and actually set fires inside the building. And uh, so, I mean, arguably, one could say that people are trying to set the mayor's house on fire uh, in that case. And, uh, you know, these are just the sort of instances that we're aware of because uh, either reporters were at that protest where they approached his building or they uh, these other episodes were caught on video um, or a police report was filed. But it's you know, it's my understanding that the mayor gets uh, a lot of sort of flack. People call and text his phone on a regular basis. He gets Hmm. threatening text messages, emails, voicemail messages. Um, I do believe that other people on his staff get harassed uh, every now and then. And this isn't just a problem that Ted Wheeler is facing. I mean, we've seen this happening with other elected officials in Portland and on the city council. I mean, Joanne Hardesty, uh, the city's first uh, black woman to serve on the city council, uh, somebody shot a bullet through the window of her city hall office a couple Mm. of months ago. She's said she's received death threats both at her office and at home. And, uh, you know, and there have been people that have confronted her uh, in public as well. And we also have Dan Ryan, who's a new city commissioner. And he told us uh, uh, earlier this month that since October, his house has been vandalized on at least seven different occasions since October. So, I mean, this is this kind of behavior or the sort of confrontations with elected officials isn't unique to Portland politics. I think it's happening uh, all over the country, but we're certainly seeing this trend quite clearly here in town. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point. Obviously, we're um, not even a month past the insurrection at the Capitol. And uh, obviously, lawmakers, you know, you don't have to think, uh, think hard to think of lawmakers being confronted or, um, you know, things of that nature. But, you know, generally back to the mayor, it, it seems like he's perhaps been you know, obviously, there's so many crises facing the city and the state and the country. But so he's had a couple uh, stumbles. He he promised to come down hard on people committing acts of property damage and violence at protests only to back off and say the city needed more tools. He pushed for more homeless sweeps, um, which you've also reported on in an effort to get people into shelters that hasn't worked. Uh, none of, none of these policies, Shane seem to be winning him a lot of friends. And as we mentioned uh, previously, um, you know, it was a very contentious election where he 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 did prevail, but um, it wasn't a convincing victory. Right. I mean, 
the mayor won re-election with only 46% of the vote. So some might suggest that he's that the mayor is not very popular here in Portland, yet he still won re-election. But he's been confronted with a number of challenges uh, that, you know, to some extent, arguably, they're, they're, they're societal challenges and social problems that the city of Portland alone probably can't address or fix by by itself. Mm-hmm. But there's also there there are also issues where the this arguably the city can be doing a lot more. I mean, so we're looking at sort of the compounding crises of this last year. We've had a racial uh, reckoning in the United States and uh, demands and calls for there to be substantial reforms to policing here in Portland. And, uh, you know, to the to the mayor's credit, he and the city council appear to be taking steps to uh, answer those calls. But those types of changes don't necessarily occur overnight. It's a messy, sticky political process. And uh, and politics sometimes doesn't move at the speed of the public's demand on those fronts. We've also got, I mean, just the homelessness crisis in Portland is bad, and it's been bad, and it's much more present and front and center in people's minds since the pandemic, just because the city, in terms of trying to reduce the impact of street camping around the city, they've largely backed off Mm -hmm. as a result of the pandemic. So, uh, you know, the effects of homelessness in Portland is visible on just about anywhere you go in the city. And it's been bad for a really long time, but we're confronted with that on a day-to-day basis. And then also let's just talk about what has happened because of the pandemic and the, not, not only the social impact that it's had on a, a very vibrant town like Portland, but also it's just, I mean, a huge blow to the economy and to commercial districts, whether that's Southeast Hawthorne Boulevard or downtown Portland, which is a freaking ghost town right now. Um, You mentioned former mayor Sam Adams earlier, who was at the Southwest pub. And as you've also reported is, is joining uh, Wheeler's staff. What's the backstory here? Why did mayor Wheeler want to hire former mayor Adams who who also ran for office unsuccessfully in 2020. Why do you want to bring him onto his staff? Well, that's a, <laughs> you know, that's a great and sort of fascinating question. But I think the quickest way to uh, perhaps answer that is it's been sort of known for a while that Sam Adams, who he's been out of public office for almost a decade, but within the last year or two, uh, he's been very interested in sort of uh, re-entering public life. And as you mentioned, Andrew, uh, Mayor Adams ran for a spot on the city council this last year, and he lost. But since then, he hasn't lost sort of that interest and itch to mm. sort of enter public life again. And, it, you know, it's my understanding that Mayor Wheeler and Sam Adams began sort of building a relationship over the summer kind of during at the height of the racial justice demonstrations and when all of these other sort of crises uh, were barreling down on the city. And so I think Mayor Wheeler was talking with Adams a bunch and sort of seeking his advice and counsel. 
on on a number of these issues. And then also, uh, you know, even though Sam Adams had a somewhat rocky tenure as a one-term mayor in Portland, most City Hall sort of observers and insiders will say that he was one of the most politically gifted people to to come through that building in generations. And uh, prior to being mayor, he was a city commissioner. And prior to that, he was the chief of staff to Vera Katz, one of the most popular mayors in Portland's recent history. She served three terms because people liked her so much. And Sam Adams was her chief of staff. So he's a skilled insider and politician um, who has a lot to offer, both in terms of politics and and policy. And uh, as Wheeler is moving into this second term where he's being confronted again with all of these very immense challenges, mm-hmm. it arguably makes some sense to have somebody with the skill set that Sam Adams has to be working alongside him, despite how unusual of an arrangement that might be. Yeah, as, as they say, uh, you have to be able to count to three, right, to get things done on the city council. And Sam, as you mentioned, has a long track record of many ideas and getting getting things done inside City Hall. I mean, the other impressive thing about Sam Adams is that he was always a very progressive mayor and championed a lot of very progressive issues and at the same time was able to work very well and constructively with the business community here in Portland. And often those two factions don't see eye to eye on a lot of things, but he was able to sort of have a foot in both those worlds and earn the admiration and respect of uh, people on sort of both sides of those issues. And I mean, that's something that, that Ted Wheeler uh, hopes to do as well and, and, and has attempted to do during his time at city hall. So, I mean, they're in some respects kind of cut from the same cloth and sort of have the same orientation and inclination on in terms of politics. Okay. So Sam Adams, isn't the only uh, new face on the uh, Wheeler team. What can you tell us about Wheeler's new chief of staff and just what are his priorities? Because there are so many challenges facing uh, this city. What's he hope to accomplish with the new team? Well, for starters, uh, Wheeler's new chief of staff, who begins next month, is a man named Bobby Lee, who actually uh, is a longtime economic development official. And he's worked in economic development both for the state of Oregon, for the city of Portland. He was at Prosper Portland for a number of years Mm -hmm. uh, during Wheeler's first term, in fact. And for the last year and a half, he's actually been up in Seattle and has been the head of Seattle's Office of Economic Development. So he's been known in Oregon and in Portland, and he actually served as a city council member in Eugene Hmm. back in the late 90s and I think through 2000 and was a U of O grad. I believe he did both his undergraduate and his graduate work at the University of Oregon. So he's coming back to Portland uh, to lead uh, Mayor Wheeler's office during his second term. You know, in terms of the mayor's priorities or focus for the second term as of right now, I mean, it's kind of basic municipal governance, but the stuff that really matters to people. So right now, the mayor is focused on, uh, you know, first and foremost, public safety. And that's, I think, both addressing 
demands for reforming policing, but also we're looking at a situation where crimes have been going up and especially uh, shootings and homicides. We're dealing with a surge in gun violence and the mayor, who is also the police commissioner and is continuing to sort of hold that role. Uh, I mean, that's something that he's focused on right now in trying to solve or address in a meaningful way. Uh, we mentioned homelessness all already, and yeah. I, that's, again, that's the number one issue of importance to Portlanders. Every time they're polled and asked what the, what is the thing that is most important or urgent in the city, and it's, and it's that. In addition to public safety, you know, the mayor is committed to trying to reduce homelessness in the city of Portland, and he has also said that not only are we trying to end homelessness for individuals and to get people into permanent housing, but he really wants to find a way, if he can, to reduce the number of people who are sleeping on our city streets night after night, Um, which is, uh, as I pointed out in a story that I did last weekend for the Mm -hmm. Oregonian, um, that might be easier said than done. Um, It's the, the mayor has been trying several approaches to reducing street camping in the city, and they haven't been particularly effective so far. But then also, I mean, there's just the issue of, uh, again, sort of nuts and bolts municipal government. Graffiti and vandalism is sort of uh, all over the city right now. Um, That's a big livability issue for business owners and for residents. So the mayor wants to try to uh, reduce graffiti and uh, do a better job with sanitation, garbage pickup. And then sort of lastly, the the focus for the mayor and the city council is going to be figuring out how to weather uh, the sort of looming economic storm that's coming because of the pandemic. And uh, I mean, that's going to be a huge, 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 huge challenge. And I mean, I'm not quite sure if we've seen the the worst of uh the impacts of covid yet in 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 this town and i think that's going to probably be something that consumes the city council for at least this year and, and and maybe in the years to come well let's take a break and come back and talk a bit more with shane dixon kavanaugh So Shane, one one more question um, going back to the people experiencing homelessness. As we talked about, it's not a new phenomenon in Portland. Um, it's a West Coast cities issue. It's a national issue. In the 80s, Bud Clark had a plan to end homelessness. 2015, then Mayor Charlie Hales declared a housing state of emergency. It's kind of a an evergreen issue, but things have worsened. Now, remind us your story. You you kind of tracked what happens to folks who are swept from some of these larger encampments, and what what did you find? Yeah, well, first, I, I mean, the story that I did was looking at sort of what Ted Wheeler's focus and priority on homelessness is at the moment, which is he has said uh, recently, within the last several months, and he started talking about this during his reelection campaign and his uh, sort of continued focusing on it at the beginning of his second term, mm-hmm. which is uh, we are not doing enough uh, to try to reduce the number of people who are sleeping on the city streets. The mayor calls this a FEMA-like, uh, that, that, that this 
crisis demands a FEMA-like response. He's calling it like a humanitarian crisis and a total emergency for the city of Portland. So what he's kind of come up with here is that he believes that it's Un, you know, unsafe and also sort of a, a problem to have these large encampments that crop up around the city, especially in in residential areas or places where there are a lot of people. And he has tried to sort of find a middle ground, which is saying, we're going to sort of clear these camps. We're going to sweep these people from these large encampments, mm-hmm. but we are going to offer everybody uh, who we're telling that they have to pack up and leave and stop sleeping in the streets we're going to offer them a safe alternative. We're going to offer them a space in a shelter, or there's also a number of alternatives to shelters that the city has. There's city-sanctioned uh, encampments uh, in Portland. There are these outdoor sort of tiny home villages, and there are a few other sort of alternatives that the city has to offer. But what uh, the the findings from the story that I did last weekend showed was that, and I sort of built this story around what what happened at Laurelhurst Park, where there was a large encampment for quite some time. And it was swept back in November. Mm-hmm. And uh, the city offered people shelter uh, for the folks who were living there. And at the time, the mayor was talking about that this was kind of the sort of template or model that he wanted to use going forward with homeless sweeps. And what we found was that the vast majority of the people, and there was about 100 people living at Laurelhurst Park in November when it was swept, most of those people declined to take the city's offer up or take the city up on its offer for shelter. Um, only about a quarter of the people there did and went to a shelter. The rest just sort of packed up and left uh, mm-hmm. to, to sleep elsewhere in Portland. And many of them went seven blocks down the street to uh, the area outside of Sunnyside Environmental, uh, you know, a school in the um, in the uh, Sunnyside neighborhood. So, uh, you know, while the mayor is talking about su- sweeping these large encampments and trying to get people into shelter, most of those individuals were are choosing not to do that and choosing to go elsewhere. And then, sort of the, you know, the irony of all of this is mm-hmm. now the city is sweeping that encampment outside of Sunnyside school. And those people are now retur- A lot of those people are returning to Laurel Horse park. Wow. Um, well, before we let you go, Shane, let's talk a bit about the rest of the council because, uh, the mayor has just one vote. Uh, obviously, uh, it's, a uh, four other commissioners are, um, pretty important here. We're just about a month in, but what, if anything, have we learned about commissioners Mingus maps and Carmen Rubio and, uh, the newest faces on the council and their approach to governing and how they kind of fit into this picture? Well, I mean, I think the first thing to sort of mention about the new council um, is that it is by far the most uh, diverse body of elected officials serving on the council in Portland's history. We still, of course, have Joanne Hardesty, who, uh, as I mentioned earlier, is the first black woman to serve on the Portland City Council. Mm-hmm. Mingus Maps, I believe, is the either the third or fourth black man to serve on the Portland City Council. And Carmen Rubio is the first Latina, and she also identifies as Latinx, is the first uh, you know, Latinx member of the Portland City Council. And we also have Dan Ryan, uh, who uh, is uh, openly gay. 
but so it, there, there's just a very uh, diverse array of voices and individuals who are serving in this role. Yeah, and, different, different life experiences, right? That they, yeah, they bring mean, to governing. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. Very different life experiences. They're also from different parts of the city because we have this sort of at large commissioner, uh, sort of role that people have that they run citywide in elections. And historically we have predominantly had people serving on the city council who are from, you know, who live in the West side of Portland, West of the Willamette river. And here we have people, so geographically speaking, are from different parts of the city with mm. different lived experiences. And I think that offers an opportunity for, and they'll tell you this too, that they are uh, able to, you know, potentially and hopefully represent different voices that haven't always uh, been heard in these sort of policy discussions and there's just uh, an opportunity to sort of approach the city's business a little bit differently. I mean, I think it's also worth noting that with Dan Ryan or Carmen Rubio or even Mingus Maps, all three of those individuals had never uh, sort of held elected office before. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of political newcomers, but they all have very sort of interesting backgrounds and experiences and sort of ideas that they want to bring forth with them. So we'll learn more about their priorities as uh, the budget process uh, moves forward here uh, in the first half of the year. Mm -hmm. But I think the other, I think the other thing to sort of point out with this council in particular, and this is in part because of Mingus Maps uh, defeating Chloe Daly and Wheeler winning a second term, is that uh, I mean it's really it's really funny when we talk about Portland politics too because this. Uh, if we took this group of elected officials and took them outside of Portland, we would say that across the board, these are all sort of progressive liberal legislators. But in the world of Portland politics, we will uh, call this body uh, relatively conservative by Portland standards, at least. Yeah. So that just means they're a, a little bit more centrist. And I think we could probably expect to see a lot of times people aligning with Mayor Wheeler and sort of the agenda that he wants to put forward. Um, I, I think both uh, Mingus, Mingus Maps and Carmen Rubio and Dan Ryan will probably a, a lot of the times align with Mayor Wheeler. And there, I think there's going to be an opportunity for there to be uh, less sort of divisiveness in the council and I've also sort of gotten the sense that uh, if they can, this body wants to be working sort of focused on legislation where they can sort of get everybody to the same place. I don't yeah. think there's going to be a lot of votes taken in this council where they're not going to be either a, you know, unanimous, you know, five zero vote or a four to one vote. Well, let's close with uh talking about the commissioner you didn't mention in that blocking group uh the second longest tenured member of the council uh joanne hardesty who really may have seen her power change uh considerably here um with this new council um what is uh commissioner hardesty focused on uh, do you have a sense of what she wants to see accomplished yeah sure well first uh, i might want to push back a little bit on the perception that 
Hardesty's uh, power in the council has been uh, diminished somewhat. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've observed about uh, Commissioner Hardesty is that she is an extremely uh, effective politician and she knows how to wield power in this body. And uh, and she's also she has very strong convictions and is very passionate about the issues uh, that are of importance to her. But she also knows how to get stuff done um, and is uh, and knows how to and knows what she can accomplish and what she can't accomplish. And that's gotten her a little flack from uh, some folks on the left occasionally, like when she was able to cut 15 million dollars from the Portland police budget. In June, a lot of people were demanding that they cut that the Portland City Council cut fifty million. But she knew that wasn't going to be possible. But she knew that she could get uh, a fifteen million reduction done immediately now. So mm-hmm. she did it. And uh, and and even though she's butted heads with uh, the mayor a little bit, and things got a little ugly during the re- his reelection campaign, um, I think that the mayor had an opportunity to really strip the commissioner hardesty of the bureaus that she'd been overseeing and he didn't do that he kept many of the bureaus that she uh had uh prior to the election uh she's held on to those and she's actually gotten a few more uh important bureaus in her portfolio now um but yeah just and then getting back to sort of the question you had first asked uh in terms of Mr. Hardesty's priorities. I mean, police accountability, police reform <laughs> yeah. uh, is first and foremost. And, you know, one of the big stories for uh, this coming year is that the city is renegotiating its union contract with the Portland Police Bureau. And I mean, that's going to have tremendous implications for policing and public safety in the city. And then also, uh, Joanne Hardesty is overseeing the city's pilot program of an alternative to police responding to yeah. uh, non-emergency calls or uh, or calls where people are experiencing a mental health crisis. So we're about to sort of launch on this alternative to policing and, uh, it, you know, a public safety alternative in the city. And I mean, that's a, that's a project that Commissioner Hardesty dreamed up and is now going to bring to fruition. Thank you for taking so much time to talk about uh, everything city council and uh, it's going to be another busy year. (laughs) Yeah. Be well, Andrew. Thanks for listening to Beat Check with the Oregonian. I shared a link to some of Shane's recent stories in the episode notes. If you value our journalism, the best way to show it is with a subscription to Oregon Live. You can do that at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Until next time.